Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. Fall or scrape your knee every now and then. But we, are, we have the promise of knowing that God is faithful and we will live being the victorious ones. So this morning, I want to talk about the reality of Jesus is coming back. If you don't realize that, if you're, if you're so naive to the fact that Jesus is not coming back, I want to shake you this morning. I don't want you to leave this place saying, oh, I'm just going to, man, 2020 was bad. I got all these goals, all these expectations for 2021 without having any perspective that God is real, that Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride, and he's going to come and he's going to invade your space, and I pray to God you're ready. Now, I don't want to scare you out of hell into heaven this morning, but I want to shake the reality of a living God that has provided everything you need to make it to heaven. But the choice is up to you. I wish I could grab you and yank you into heaven this morning and take all of you with me. But when we get to heaven's gates, Pastor Noe is not going to be standing to your right or standing to your left saying, hey, no, he's good. He served. He helped. But it's going to come down to one thing. Does he know you and do you know him? Is there a relationship? Because it's only through the blood of Christ we're able to come into the heaven. There's only one way. Doesn't matter how good you are or what you've done or haven't done, but it's by the grace and the blood of Christ that we enter in. All right, let me get into my message. Hebrews 12, 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run a race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer or perfecter or the author or perfecter or finisher, the New King James Version says, of our faith. He builds it. He creates it. He perfects it within us, his faith, the faith within us. He does that work. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's talking about Jesus here. It says, scorning or disregarding its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And verse 3, considered him who endured such opposition from sinners. It says, think about this. Consider what he has done so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So we think about what Christ has done. You know, I think any time in my life that I think I got it bad. I haven't been crucified and nailed to a cross yet. I haven't died for my faith yet. It can always get worse. You know, I think that's the thing that we, we think in, in this, you know, and it says, it says, in this life you will have trouble. He says, but fear not because I have overcome the world. We have to realize the, the, the reality of what Christ has done in the earth and, and the privilege it is to follow it and to be a son and a daughter of the king. It's by his work and his grace alone working in our lives that we receive salvation. You know, so today our church, it has suffered great loss by losing one of our elders in the church. You know, for me, that has shaken the reality of heaven. Now, we've had, I've had loss. I've had close people die. But this one just began to shake the reality of heaven's real. Hell is hot. And what you choose in this lifetime will determine where you go. You know, not choosing, you've rejected Christ. I think that's one of the misconceptions that we have. Not choosing, you've already chosen. I wish it was the other way around. If I don't choose, I just go to heaven. It's not the way it works. Because you have to realize, how were we born? We were born into sin, already separated from God. So we were born in a fallen state. We were, we were born in, in a way separated from God. Alienated from the truth that God wanted to restore us unto. But it, it came to a choice. It came to faith. It came to trusting in something greater than ourselves. It says it's a free gift of grace alone, not by works, lest any man could boast. So it's not just about being good enough. It's about tracing, putting your faith in someone who paid enough of the price so that you could make it to heaven. So if you died right now, are you sure that you'd be welcomed into heaven? I want to pause there just for a minute. I want you to think about it. 
I'm not asking you to answer out loud, but I want you to think about it. If I stood at heaven gates and God said, why should I let you in? Will you, will you be welcomed in? Is there some uncertainty in your heart this morning? You say, I don't know if I would be welcomed in, Pastor Noe. There is some fear of death. I don't know what happens after death. I don't know that, that I would be welcomed into heaven. I hope that I would. Well, I don't want you just to hope. I want you to know this morning. I don't want you just to be concerned about every corner. Well, you know, I got to live a, a very careful, reserved life because I don't want to die because I'm trying to prolong the inevitable of having to face God. But for those who know that the other side of the grave is heaven, death is actually the victory. Now, many, many people want to get to heaven, but nobody wants to die to get there. Like, I'm going to go, but Lord, give me a little bit more time. Lord, I want to go, but I want to see my kids grow up. Lord, I'll go, but I want to see them get married. I want to see my grandchildren. You know, we, we have all these preconceived ideas of what we want. But at the end of the day, can we say, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. At whatever cost, will I live a life that's sold out or will I sell out? Will I pursue the cross or will I reject the cross? You have to understand that God has put, you know, this year I have seen a dividing line. He is removing the lukewarmness. You're either going to pursue God or you're going to reject God. There's not this happy medium comfort level anymore. And I believe that as we go to 2021, I don't think it's just going to be a light switch thing where all of a sudden everything goes away. Coronavirus, it's gone. Hey, the stock market goes up. Whatever president outcome you wanted, all of a sudden it changes to your favor. I don't think that's going to happen. Where everything is going to align like we think. But our hope and our trust has to be in the Lord. So when we look at this passage, you know, I believe that there's three postures that you could possibly be in this morning. I believe you can be sitting on the sideline passively, not doing anything for God. Now, I know that some of you have a relationship with the Lord, but you haven't done anything with it. You said, I know I, I'm going to go to heaven and I have a relationship with the Lord, but I haven't done anything with that salvation. I was watching a movie last night and it was just, you know, that they, they came to the knowledge of Christ and, the, and, they, and they saw the risen Savior and all of a sudden they said, we have to tell others. So they went out through the city and they began to tell what Jesus had done. They didn't just sit there and keep it for themselves. They did something with their salvation. They weren't sitting on the sideline, but they were telling the world of what they had received. So why? So others could receive the same gift. Christianity was never meant to be selfish. Well, I got it. And then we're arrogant, we're prideful. Hey, look at me. And you don't want to share the greatest gift, the greatest story ever told with a lost and dying world. If you don't have a desire to tell others about Jesus, are you even saved? Because I know when I came to the knowledge of Christ, everything began to change. Can't say there wasn't no ugly inside of me, but things began to change. My desires changed. Issues I had in my life began to just fall off my life. But there was a polishing process, right? So you can be sitting on the sideline. I believe that some of you, possibly, you are running the race that God has set out before you. You're running that race. And then I believe that some of you are getting close to the finish line. That's just the reality of it. You're getting near to the finish line. Now, some of you that are older in the house this morning say, Yeah, Pastor, no, I've been running along. I am about to get to that finish line. Been running a lifetime. Right? So we have to realize that, you know, um, life is so much more fragile than we know. I know when we're young, we think we're bulletproof. We speed. We don't wear our seatbelt. We do all the things mom told you don't do because you think you're invincible. But your life is just as fragile as the next. And we can never take life for granted and say, oh, it's going to be okay because we don't know. What if your heart just stopped beating right now? It's God that causes your heart to continually beat. It's our trust in Him that, that allows us to continue to prevail through this lifetime. You know, the finish line is going to happen in one of two ways. You're going to come to the end of the, your time on this earth, and you'll be, bef you'll be before the Father. That's just the raw reality of, of you, know, death, you know, death and life and this life cycle. It's a normal thing. Most of us don't. I know a lot of us, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to think about the thought of death. But if we don't think about death, we're not going to think about what happens after death. So I want you to think about it right now. If you were walking out the church and you tripped and you fell on the slab and you hit your head and died, that's it. 
What's going to happen? Well, I hope, oh man, I hope there's no hope at that point. You need to decide right now what you're going to do. So the second reality is Jesus shows back up and whatever we were doing or whatever our agenda was, it immediately stops in his tracks. There's no more time to say, wait, 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 just a little bit longer. You know, when the kids are playing or it's, or it's time for bed or whatever it is. Mom, just what? Five more minutes. Just a little. No, I said when Jesus comes back, it's the end. And you will be judged on what you said, on what you did, what you do, what you believed or what you didn't believe. And at that moment, if you, if you chose wrong, you are going to come to a humble reality that there was a living God that just showed up. And now what are you going to do with this man named Jesus? It's going to be, there will be weeping. There will be reality. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess at that moment when he shows up. But everything will cease. Everything will come to a screeching halt. So what's going to happen to you when Jesus returns? I know where I'm going. So, well, that's not fair. Well, I know, but that's why I'm telling you this morning. I know where I'm going. Where are you going? What are you going to do? You know, I've seen, you know, today, many of you running the race with perseverance, you know, through difficult seasons in your life. But I'm sure some of you have been hindered and some of you have been entangled along the way. Would you agree with that? I need three volunteers this morning. I'm going to get Becky to, to help pick them out. How many of you kiddos want to help me today or don't want to help? Because I need three of y'all. Heck no, he says. I don't know about this Pastor Noe guy. Samuel. You're in trouble, buddy. You're my guy. So, so the Bible talks about that uh, di- different, different levels in a race. So all of y'all come over here. I want you to get like you're on the starting block where everybody's going to race, okay? Samuel thinks he's going to win. I'm going to set that guy up. All right. So, so it talks about in a race that, that there's, di- there, there's, different, there's different things, right? What does it say? There, there are things that hinder us. And then there is the sin that what? So easily entangles. Wrong translation, maybe. It it, it entangles us. But then it says that there's some that run the the race with endurance and perseverance, and they're unhindered, right? So so I have something here. So what what we're going to look at first is first and foremost, there's many, many things that can hinder us. Who wants to be hindered? Samuel, you got it, buddy. No problem. Okay. No, you cannot. Okay. So, so, so there's many things. And when, when you talk about hindered, those aren't necessarily sin things, but they're not God things. They slow us down from what God really, really wants for us. They're in the way of reaching our destination. So we start here and we know that the finish line is here, but there's things that get in our way. There's things that slow us down. There are these things that hinder us from, from being and doing all that God has called us to be that weigh us down and we can't run the race that God has built us. Right? And if that's not good enough, man, he just keeps hindering. He keeps putting these things in our way. And it's just, it becomes an obstacle to life and it makes it almost nearly impossible to get to where we're going. These are not necessarily sin things, but these are things that distract. You know, you're looking at the, at the course of where you're going and then all of a sudden, look right here. Back it. Distracted, hindered, get back on your track. Right? He's not looking at the mark set before him. But then the other one is the sin that so easily entangles. Well, how many of you know that the enemy's real smart? He, he's not dumb about how he, how he deceives us, but he says, hey, man, check this out. Hold this right here. This is going to be the best thing ever. You see that? Look at that. You know, it is a great thing. Just keep paying attention to it. No, right here, look. This is going to bless you. This is really what you want. This is what you need in your life. And he begins to entangle and we don't realize that, that this, stay over here running the race with endurance, okay? All right, 
So, so, so he just he he keeps us distracted on the sin. He says this is going to be a good thing. But how many of you know he's a deceiver? It says the sin that deceives. So we don't think this looks bad bad initially, but he just keeps rapping. He just keeps rapping. Sorry, I got to rap you good because I can't let you run. Okay? Because the tactic. Don't don't hurt yourself either when you take off. Okay. So we realize that he keeps distracting and he keeps entangling and he puts us in a configuration where what looked good and then we're like, oh no, that's not good, I don't want it, but he's already entangled us. And then the enemy comes around and says, well, look right here, I got something else for you. You see this? Jesus this is so good for you. This is really going to be the one that really brings us satisfaction. But it's not what God wants for you. It's distracting you from the race of what he's called you to. It's that sin that, that entangles and it wraps around and, and it's like a snake that it begins to suck the life out of him. And all the time he was built to run. But yet he is entangled and entangled and entangled. I'm going to stop there because he's going to not be good when he tries to move. So we have one that, that is distracted, that, that can't run. So, so here's what we're going to do this morning. You can't jump them, but you got to... No, you got to go around them. Okay, and then you got to try to run. You're not really going to go anywhere, but just try to. You're going to be scooching like this, little bitty feet. And this is one that has removed the distractions, that has not been deceived, that it not, has not been. Now, maybe she was entangled by sin, and by the power of God, all of that has been cut off and removed so that she can run the race with endurance. This one's deceived. He don't know. He thinks he can run. But situation doesn't allow it. And this dude's just bogged down. You got a picture of those two racers? So when, when, we, when, we, look, when we look at this picture, one is built to run and ready to run. Have you ever seen anybody get on the starting blocks like that? I said, all right, I got this race. Some of you this morning are so hindered and distracted. But realize when it says hindered, it's not talking about sin. It's talking about good things. Right? Distractions. So on the count of three, I want you all to walk as quick as you can to the finish line. Okay? You got to go around in boxes. Like this? That's right. Okay? So remember this first one is the hindrances, right? Slow down. On your mark. Get set. Go. Here you go. No. Hold on. Come here. You need this right here? Chase went really fast. I should have cinched them up tighter. So when we look, though, here, go cut him loose. <laughs> we don't realize that those are two separate things. That there's a sin that entangles, and then there's other things that hinder us from all the things that God has called us to. Let me give each of you a dollar for helping me this morning. You can be distracted now. Here you go, Jace. Come here, buddy. You don't need it? You want me to give it to somebody else? Oh, you didn't know what it was. So, so, so there can be, in our life, you have to realize God has built you to run. Don't allow things to hinder you. You realize that? The enemy wants you to fail. He wants you to fall. He wants you to stay down. He doesn't want you to endure till the end. You know, but we have to run that race marked out before us. You know, if you're on the sideline, get off the sideline. Living a, living a careful, safe life, you think that's what God had in store for us? Or you think that deep down there might be this adventurous spirit or, 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 or desire to accomplish something in your life? Most people don't grow up, you know, like, think about it when you're little. At what point did you quit dreaming? At what point did you quit being passionate about the things of God or being great, doing great things in your life? But what happens, that role's almost reversed. The older you get, people say, quit dreaming, just work a job, a nine to five, just make a living, just do it. You know, it's, it's this cookie cutter, it's this American dream versus pursuing the things of God in your life, and, and you're really settling, if you want to live a crazy, adventurous life, follow God. 
Now, there'll be times you're going to say some of those, oh, Jesus. But, man, it'll be a ride of a lifetime. We have to run that race marked out before us. If you're sitting on the sideline, get back in the game. Remove those things that have been hindering you. Identify the sin that has entangled you. Remove it and start running again. Now, if I'd have cinched that rope tight enough, he wouldn't have went anywhere. And I could have made those boxes bigger and more distracting or put more boxes in the way where Cassidy would have been sitting at the finish line and these guys would have been inching along, just trying to make it. How many of us are hindered? How many of us are entangled this morning? You got to deal with those things. But God can remove anything that's hindering you from running a race of perseverance if you allow him. Some of you may, never, may have never realized that you were made to run. God desires all of us to come into a loving relationship with Him. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4, it says, God our Savior, who, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Wants who? All people. Now, there's some that'll get into the debate of the elect, the whoever. I mean, I'm not, about, I'm not talking about that this morning. God loves every single one of you in this room this morning. And you say, well, this predestination, whatever. Hey, I don't know, whatever. You're here this morning. So God had a plan. God had an agenda. God, God had it in mind for you to hear this message this morning. So however it worked out, however you think, it doesn't matter. You're here. You're now. There's a line in the sand. What are you going to do with Jesus? Uh, you're not going to leave this room saying, well, nobody ever told me. Oh, I'm telling you today. And I'm pleading with you today. Make the choice that will forever change your life. You know, I'm convinced that it's not how you start the race, but how you finish. Can anybody amen that? Well, I started off bad, tripping. I didn't realize I was tied up. I was, you know, worming it, trying to get through. But I kept moving forward, and God began to free me and release me to run like he created me to run. You know, sometimes when we come to the knowledge of Christ, there's baggage. There's things that we got to get rid of, and we don't realize we're carrying those things. You know, I remember in high school... Uh, during the off season, we would do this one lap run around the track and, you know, they would time us so we'd run as fast as we could. Well, there was something that would happen at three quarters of that lap and we called it, that's when the monkey jumped on your back. Man, they're running full sprint all of a sudden. And if you're running it, you feel like you're running in slow motion. You run out of gas because you're pushing yourself to, to, to max performance. You're running as fast as you can. It don't matter if you're thin, medium, or extra large. What, you're going to be, you're going to wind yourself because you're pushing yourself so hard, but you would run, you would run, you'd run hard. And then, then you get to that last, last point and you're just running with all you got left. Some of them boys threw up. They ran so hard, but running is hard sometimes, but we're all called to do it. But as we run, what does it say? It says we have to keep our eyes fixed on what? On our circumstances, on the difficulties, on the past failures, on the fear of failures, uh, on, on our insecurities? Is that what it says to focus on? Or it says focus our eyes on what? Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. You know, it says keep our gaze on him, that in him our faith is built and perfected. And I'll tell you what, when I run that lap, I was looking for that finish line. And then the bench, because I was going to go sit down. Think about, you know, I mean, like you run, you run, you run, right? But we got to keep our eyes fixed. First Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 in the NIV. It says, do you not know that in a race that all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get a prize. You know, if, you, if you're a, who, who do, who's competitive in here? No, we don't got very, okay, a few. All right, you know, it's like Ricky Bobby, what do you say? If you're not first, you're what? That's the competitive spirit, right? You want to be first? You want to do the best? You don't want to be last. You don't even want to be second. You want that gold trophy. You want to be number one. But it says run in a way as to get a prize. Some of you need to be a little bit more competitive in this race because you got to understand your opponent is the enemy of this world. you got to put a little pep in your step. When he nips at your heels, you got to just kind of kick him in the mouth and move on, Right? You have to understand who you're competing against. But some of you got to get a little bit of momentum. You got to get a little bit of excitement. You got to run this race with endurance. How do you do that? You keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. But it says everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. That they do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it 
to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. Verse 27, no, I strike a blow to my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not forfeit or disqualify myself from the prize. Now, I know when you're out of shape, you might look like that boxer. You're just trying to make it. Can't breathe. Your lungs are shutting down on you. You're like, I ain't built to run, Lord. But as a child of God, all of you are built to run. This kind of race we're talking about. Of finishing well. Has there ever been a time in your life that you wanted to give up, but you pressed through? Man, I hope that's a yes. You know, has there been a time that you failed and you were determined to get back up? You said, man, I can't stay here. Or maybe you had a brother or sister come along and grab your hand and say, come on, man, let's run together. You ever ran with somebody else? It makes it way better. than running by yourself and you got all the slab in front of you like that'll never end. Now, I got a buddy in here that likes to run like 10 miles like, and I'm like, dude, I'll drive 10 miles, but I'm not going to run 10 miles in my life. That makes no sense. But he's built to run. But how, what, if, what if we could condition ourselves and build ourselves to that place of where we could run like that spiritually? And not get tired and not grow faint and not get weary. Do you realize that the enemy of this world wants you to quit, to stay down, to not run the race that God has called you to run? Do you realize that? So let's look, how, how did Jesus respond? He found joy in the journey. He counted it all joy, and we should also. The Bible says, remember what Jesus did, the opposition he faced, the ridicule he received from sinners. When we remember what Christ has done, it will energize us, causing us to receive a second win to finish the race. You ever had that moment, that second win? Either you see the finish line, or you know you're almost done. Whatever it is, you're like, oh yeah, I got it now. And you kick into that fifth gear, and you finish the race. Now, some of you say, I didn't have a fifth gear, right? It's just tough, but you, but, you, but you see something that encourages you. Maybe it's your brothers and your sisters to your left and your right saying, keep running, keep doing it. You're almost there. Don't give up. Get up. Keep running. Be all that God has caused you to be. And you begin to run with a new passion and a new energy. But you get that second wind, you kick it into that next gear. You know, but you focus on Christ so that you don't grow weary and you don't lose heart. Today you have to realize that your only hope that you have and the only one that you can truly trust in is Jesus and the promises of his word. Are you ready for the Lord's return? Jesus is coming back and you have to be ready. Matthew 24, 36 through 42. It says, but about that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. So he's giving us some insight. What is it going to be at the end? I don't think we have to be naive and we have to be fearful and uninformed about what the end times will look like and what's going to happen. But he says, it's going to happen. You're going to be surprised. You're going to be like, ooh, Jesus is here. Like, it's not going to be one of these moments that, oh, I'm going to predict it. There's been many people said, oh, Jesus is coming back at this time, at this moment. We're still here. It says only God knows. All right? But uh, it, it, says, it says, just like Noah, days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and being given in marriage. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Verse 40, it says, two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other one left. Man, I don't want to be the one left. Now, I pray for that one that I'm praying this morning for that one that if Jesus came back right now, would be left because there's still time. It says two women will be grinding with, with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other one left in verse 42. It says, therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day that the Lord is coming. But I can tell you today that today Jesus's return is one day closer than it was. I can confirm that 100 percent. We're one day closer to his return. So what happens when he returns? Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 in the NIV. I want to give you a lot of scripture this morning. It says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you will not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Okay? So those who don't have their faith and trust in Jesus, it's a bad day when somebody dies. Now, I know nobody wants to say, I think they went to hell. Nobody wants to realize that reality. And they want to say, well, they were a good person. They were in church. But did they know God? 
Did they have a relationship? Was there faith in Jesus and Jesus alone? Because if any of those are a no, I know what the Word of God says. I can't trick myself into believing a lie. But what if they didn't know Him? But we can say, those who know Christ, we can have hope when we die. Verse 14, it says, For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Uh, like, like, um, and so we believe that God will bring Jesus to those who have fallen asleep in Him. Verse 15, According to the Lord's will, we tell you that we are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. So those who are dead in Christ will come back first. And then shortly after, it says in verse 16, For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. In verse 17, And then we, we who are alive are, will, and who are left will be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. That's going to be a crazy Star Trek kind of day. Like, oh, See the dead in Christ raising, and you just kind of... Meet him in the heavens. And, you know, this, this is what it's talking about. You know, I don't think we have to be like, oh, man, are you sure? That's what the Bible says. And you can make up all kinds of theologies and make assumptions, but this is what the Bible tells us. This is the guidance it gives us. It says, after that, those who are, who are still alive will be left and caught up with him in the clouds to meet him in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Okay? Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, it doesn't say doom and gloom. It says encourage each other. Be excited about this moment. Be excited about this time. At that moment, nothing else will matter. In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, the whole chapters, man, I really want you to take some time to read those. I'm not going to unpack all those today. But in those two chapters, it talks about in, in chapter 24 about the signs of the end of the age that you can tell when it's coming. Just like when a storm's rolling in, you see the clouds, you see the shift in the, in the atmosphere, you see the wind change. Man, if you have a cold front come in Texas, guess what? Rain's coming. That's how it cools down in the summertime, right? You know, but we see, we see signs of the end of the age. And also it talks about the day and the hour unknown, which we covered that passage. In verse 25, it talks about the ten virgins who some of them weren't ready. They weren't waiting on the Lord when he showed back up. Then it unpacks the parable of the talents, using what you have while you were here on this earth. And then it talks about um, the sheeps and the goats. Now, this is where it gets really hard because he separates the two, those who are his and those who aren't. And those who aren't, he throws them into the fiery furnace and they're separated from him forever. It talks about blessing those who are Christ, who are, who are sons and daughters of, of God. And that when we did that to others, it was like doing it to God. So re read through those two. It just unpacks so much. I, mean, I just read, I was like, man, I need to read it again. And again, and just kind of chew on it. But there's so much in those passages. But in, in, that, in that parable of the ten virgins in Matthew 25, 12 through 13, the whole idea of that was keep watch because you don't know the hour of the Lord's return. If you would know when he's coming, guess what? You could get right real quick. But do we live life like every day was our last? Or do we life, live life full of regrets? Settling, not really doing and being all that God has called us to be. I want you to know that Jesus is going to come back with power and glory. And this passage says, just like lightning comes from the east and it's visible to the west, so it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. That there's going to be a trumpet that's going to be blown. The Lord's return is going to be known by all, Matthew 24, 27. So I think Jesus came back today. If you're not sure he didn't come back, you're going to be very aware, you know. So I think that's why when people say, oh, yeah, Jesus came back. He's actually over here in, in Israel right now. Let's go follow him. But don't believe that. If I didn't see him come, even if I'm a hard sleeper and he blows that trumpet in the middle of the night, it's going to wake you up. And you will know that the king has shown up. You realize that? It's going to be something that is made known. So some of you this morning, you may say, Pastor Noe, how do I know that I can ensure my place in heaven today? Man, I'm so glad you asked. The Bible says, choose this day who you will serve. Choose what day? A few weeks? It says, choose this day. Before you leave. He said, man, I can make that choice today. Absolutely. Now, some of you maybe have been entangled or you've been distracted and you haven't been running that race. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. 
But are you really excelling in what God has called you to in this lifetime? Are you doing the things that God has, has called you to do? Are you about your father's business? Are you building the kingdom of heaven? Are you striving to build your own kingdom here on earth? You realize at the end, all of those things that were of this earth will be burnt up. It says the only things that will remain are those things that were done for the kingdom of God. It says don't, don't store for your, yourself treasures on heaven that rust and moth destroy, but save up for yourself treasures in where? Heaven. John 3, 16 through 18, all of you guys probably have heard this verse, but this is what it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now some of you guys, you've said it, and you've heard it, and you've maybe even quoted it, but you've never paid attention to what it said. Man, that is a powerful verse. Because that is the key to the kingdom. That is how you get in. There's no other way. You realize you can't jump the fence in the back. There's only one gate and there's only one way. In verse 17, it says, you know, because some people think, well, God is this mean God and he's just out to get people. Why doesn't he just let everybody in? Because he set a requirement. Yes, we were born into sin. Yes, we were separated from God, but he provided a way where we could make it to heaven. And that was through his son. So in verse 17, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son. My father-in-law, uh, if you've ever called him or it's went to his voicemail, one thing he says, he says, this is Don, leave a message. Has anybody ever heard it? No. Hey, y'all should blow up his phone all at the same time so it will go to voicemail. I'm not going to give you his number though. He probably wouldn't appreciate that. But it says, get right or get left. And, and really, as I think about it, I was like, man, that's such harsh Christianity, Don. But it's so true. If you're not right with God, you may get left. So what is your posture? What is your position before the Father? Do you know Him? You know, at the end, what does He say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Enter into my presence. You are welcomed in. But to those that, that, he, that he rejects into heaven, you know what He says? It's not really what you did. It says, I never knew you. You know, it'd be like if somebody comes to my house and just knocks on the door and they just try to let themselves in. And I don't, and you're not a church family. You're not, I got a family. I'm probably not letting you in. Try to bolt, bust through the door. No, you're not coming in, sir. I do not know you. But to those who show up announced or unannounced, some of you can vouch when you show up unannounced. You're going to get what you get at the Kano family. Might be clean, it might not. You might have to jump over obstacles. <laughs> but if I know you, I welcome you in. If I don't know you, I will not welcome you in. You know, as we wrap up 2020 and look towards the new year, you know, preferably I'm, I'm asking God for a better year than this last year. This one was not fun. I don't, I don't know how to put it any. It's, just, it's been a rough year. It's been challenged. God has been faithful. God has been good. The church has, I think, prevailed in this season, but it's been a tough year. But I'm believing that this next year is better than the last. But what we need to make sure is that we leave this year knowing Jesus and we follow Jesus into the next year. We don't need to say, well, I'm just going to wait and then maybe next year will be my year where I really am sold out for God and I live a life, you know, as a Christian and I go to church a little bit more, which, man, I'm all for New Year's resolutions. If it takes January 1 to get you motivated, whatever it takes. But better today than in a few days because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. This morning, I want to give you a chance to get right with the Lord. One of the most important things that I believe that I can do as a pastor is introduce you to Jesus. I can teach you practical things. I can show you scripture. But if I have not shaken the reality of you are in need of a Savior and Jesus loves you and he makes his grace available to all of us, I have failed. Finance stuff, it's great. Parenting skills, that's great. Introducing you to the king of the universe is one of the most important things I feel like I can ever do. And I don't ever want to miss the opportunity to share the gospel with someone who possibly does not know him. Now, I don't know where you're at spiritually this morning. Some of you may be squirming in your seat saying, Oh God, what do I do? You come to the altar.
you draw near to Him. You allow the only one who can truly forgive sin to forgive sin through the price of His Son. You receive the free gift of salvation this morning. You realize that you can come as close to God as you really want to. And I think a lot of us have this misconception that God doesn't want us. He's just big, fancy God. That, and we have to remain far off, but that's so far from, from, from reality. He wants to be near us. It's just that when we draw near to Him, when we make that first step, He draws near to us. He comes close to us. But we got to move our feet. we got to respond. we got to say, God, I want you. I need you more than anything else in my life right now. Your life might be falling apart right now, but you're smiling, looking good on the outside. But Jesus can change everything. Everything. You have to ask Him to come into your heart and you've got to surrender your life. You've got to say, Lord, my life is no longer my own. You know, there's the choice of giving your life to Christ, but then there's the following. That's what I'm talking about, this race. You know, all of, the, all of these kiddos right here, they made it. But did they run? Did they finish the race? Were they overcomers? Did, did, they, did they do well? You know, I don't want to get to heaven and, G, and God look at me and say, oh, man. Man, there was so much potential. There were so many things that I had for you, which I, I, don't, I think God will be gracious. And hopefully he won't do that. But what if he did? You know, I think about the treasures in heaven that God talks about, right? He says, store it for yourself, treasures in heaven. I think about a big toy box, and right now with Christmas, all toys everywhere, right? But I think about the, the treasure chest that's full, and all of those gifts are gifts that God desires to get me. When I get to heaven, I want that box to be empty because I need those gifts here on the earth. I don't need them when I get to heaven. But I have to allow the giver of the gifts to give those to me. But I have to have a relationship with him. Let's look at this passage of Hebrews 3, 12 through 19, and clo- 3 through 12, and then we're going to look at 19 in closing. It says, Be careful then, brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning away from the living God. Verse 13, listen to what this says. You must warn each other every day. Do we warn each other every day? No. Oh. Man, I think this might be the first time this year I have really pleaded with you like to this degree of warning, of caution, of please be aware of the conditions that have to be met so that you can enter heaven. It says, warn each other every day while, you are, while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and, the heart, and hardened against God. For, we are faith, for if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as we did when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. Verse 15, remember what it says today when you hear His voice. Do not harden your hearts as Israel did uh, when they were in rebellion. And then it goes through these next few passages and it just talks about like, you know, they, were, they messed up. They didn't listen to God. You know, their corpses were left in the desert. You know, he talks about all this stuff. And then verse 19, it says, so we see because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. So what's, what's the key? Faith. Believing. That God sent his one and only son to the earth. To die for you, to die for me, so that we might have a place in heaven. And when I get to heaven's gates, the only answer I need to say, if, he, if God asked me, Noe, why should I let you in? Was it because my hair looked good? Was it because I, I, I preached awesome messages? Or was it because I believed in Jesus Christ? And that his blood covers all my sins. And it allows God to see me as a spotless lamb, worthy to come in. You guys stand up with me. Now, I can't let you go till you make a choice. I can get some guys to bolt the door if I need to. But I'd rather give you the opportunity to willfully choose this day whom you will serve. What are you going to do with this man named Jesus? What if on the way home you got in a wreck and you died and now you're, now you're at heaven's gates? Will you leave this place right with God? Maybe you've been distracted. Maybe you've been hindered. Maybe you're entangled this morning. 
You're ensnared by the, by the work of the enemy. One word from the Lord can remove all of that. You know, God is a God of a clean slate. I love that. I'm like, Lord, I've jacked it up so much. I don't even know what to do no more. Lord, just can I start fresh? He says, absolutely, son. And to me, that makes no sense because I think I have to work for everything I messed up. But we've got to realize Jesus already worked for that. So we don't have to work for it again, guys. He loved us that much. God gave the greatest gift so we might be called his sons and his daughters. Now this morning, I want to give you a few different options. Some of you may already know the Lord. You say, Pastor Noe, but I've been kind of, I got my fire insurance. I'm going to go to heaven. It's okay. But have you really been running the race that God has called you to? Maybe you're sitting on the sideline this morning. Call me your life coach. Call me your pastor. Call me whatever you want. But I'm coming by this morning. I'm kicking you on the rear saying, get off that bench and let's start running. The, mar- the race marked out for you. And there's some that have been hindered by just the worries of life, all of these things, and you've been distracted. You haven't run. Now, I believe God can work on those and He can show you those things, but some of us this morning, we may be ensnared and we need, we need a little bit of extra love. And, and I'm gonna, I am going to open up the altar. If you say this morning, Pastor Noe, I need extra prayer. I'm going through some stuff. You, and you don't even got to tell us, but if it's something you want us to agree with you in prayer, I believe in the power of prayer. I believe in laying our hands on you. And then when two come in an agreement, things change. But it takes faith, right? It requires you to get out of your seat, to get out of your... Well, I don't want to go up there. You think Jesus wanted to go to the cross? But he did it because it's what was required so that we might receive everything, every good gift that he has for us. And you're telling me you are too prideful to walk 20 yards to receive all that God has for you. And some of you are running this morning. I just, I encourage you to keep running. This morning, is there anybody that either has never committed their life to the Lord or desires to commit their life afresh and anew today like they never have? Just lift your hand up real quick for me and put it back down. Anybody in the house? I see it. You can put your hand back down. Anybody else? God sees it. If you're shaking on the inside and you don't want to lift your hands, you need to be lifting your hand. I know what it was like when God was drawing my heart. It was the scariest, most exciting thing of my life. I wanted to do it, but I didn't want to do it. Jesus is saying, yes, 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 but the devil's saying, oh, no, 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 don't do it. It's a trick. He's a deceiver of the brethren. So for each of you that raised your hand, God is going to wipe the slate clean this morning. If you've never pursued a relationship with him, today is going to be the day that changes everything. And you'll be all that God has called you to be. So I'm going to pray for you, those of you who are committing to give your life back to the Lord for the first time. And then I'm going to close and then I'm going to open up the altar. I'm not going to have people up here waiting for you, but if you come up and you respond, we will pray for you. I don't want you to feel pressured. I don't want you to feel obligated, but I want you to make a choice. If you've had enough, if you're tired of the distractions, if you feel like you have been ensnared and entangled, today's the day to be free. That 2020, 2021 is going to be better than ever just because you're going to be running that race that God has called you to. Also, before you leave, if you have recommitted your life or you're committing your life to Christ the first time, we have connect cards. Man, mark that on there. Let us know what God is doing in your life so we can encourage you, so we can contact you, so we can love on you, so we can walk life with you. But for those of you committing today, it's going to be the best day ever. The best day ever. I'm going to just get you guys to repeat after me the Lord's Prayer. And then I'm going to pray over us corporately. And you will be dismissed to go conquer 2021. doesn't matter what the situation is. God's going to be faithful. But we will run the race that God has called us to be. So everybody together, will you guys just repeat this after me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. 
and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. Turning from my sins, I invite you to come into my heart and my life. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Father, I thank you for each one here this morning. Father, I pray that today we would all begin to run that race with endurance. Father, that our eyes would be fixed on you, that our faith would arise. And God, we would be all that you've called us to be. Father, I pray this year you would not let us sit on the sideline. But Father, that we would all be activated to the service you've called us to. Maybe some of us are running, but we're not running to our potential. Father, I pray that you would even reveal that to me, that I would know what the giftings and callings that you've placed in people in my church, that we can cause them to be all that you've called them to be. Father, I pray that everyone in this house this morning, Father, would see themselves as you see them. Loved, accepted, worth it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I just want to open up the altars. If you need specific prayer for something, man, please come forward now. We'll pray for you. If you're good and you're, you know what's up, if, if you were to die right now and you're okay. Everybody look at me real quick. Don't leave yet. Look at my eyes. If you know that you know that you're okay, you're free to leave. If you say, I got to get right, Pastor Noe, I can't leave this place because God is doing something in my heart. Scared out of my mind. I don't want to respond, but I know I need to, and you need to come forward. Please do so. I can't put you in a headlock or put you in an arm lock, but you got to do it willfully. But I love you guys. Thank you so much. Those of you who have committed your life for the first time, please fill out one of those Connect cards. If it is your first time here visiting with us, fill out one of those Connect cards. Also, take it to the back. We'll get you a gift. want to just thank you for coming. You guys be blessed. We ready for 2021? Amen. It's going to be a good year. We love you guys. We'll see you guys next week. Greet somebody before you leave. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.